Greetings from Quail Lakes Baptist Church in Stockton, California. Thank you for your interest in our downloadable messages. Our more recent teachings, such as Pastor Mark's current sermon series, are always available on iTunes. However, for a more comprehensive offering of Quail's Bible-based teachings from Pastor Mark and others, we offer an extensive archive of downloadable sermon MP3s on our website, as well as information on our fellowship and our ministries. Please visit us online at www.qlbc.org. These messages are also available on CD or cassette. For more information, please call our church office at 209-951-7380. We trust you will be blessed and edified by what you are about to hear. Thank you for listening. Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Proverbs, chapter 18. We're continuing with our series, The Way of Wisdom. These are very practical, down-to-earth, everyday points of wisdom that come from the book of Proverbs. Today, it's about the wisdom of careful speech. Here's the key concept. Choose and use your words wisely. Use your words wisely. This is a sermon that I can characterize this way. This is a sermon where there's a lot of elbows. Maybe the person next to you needs to hear that. A lot of elbows. Be careful about elbows. Because each of us individually needs to hear the wisdom of wise speech. Choose choose and use your words wisely. Have you ever heard the phrase or maybe used it? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. When I was young, we used that as a comeback. It was, you know, our really wise, witty saying when people were making fun of us or mocking us. And I know now that that saying is a lie. Words do hurt. And bones can mend, but sometimes broken hearts don't. Be careful about our words. Proverbs 18, verse 21, the tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. It's amazing how something, even very small, but if it's very rotten, can make a big difference. Have you ever had this experience when you open your refrigerator door and you get a whiff of something? And you think, hmm, that's not right. But you think at first, well, maybe it's my imagination. Maybe, you know, nothing's a problem in there. You close the door, you go about your business, come back the next time, open your refrigerator door, whoo, there it is again. But, you know, I'm busy, you know, things, I gotta, I'm going to do stuff, I'll get to it tomorrow. Well, tomorrow, you don't think about it, then you go away for a long weekend, and by the time you come back, you open that refrigerator door, and wow, something is dead in there. And so you begin to paw through the Tupperware collections that are in your refrigerator, something way in the back, no longer recognizable. It's a science project gone bad. And in that moment, you have these thoughts. What in the world was this, and why did I save it, and how can this little thing stink up this refrigerator so much? When something is profoundly rotten, even if it's small, it can make a big difference for the negative. So too with our speech. 
James says this in James 3, 6, The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Words can hurt. Angry words hurt. There are some things that will happen to us that are aggravating. I recognize it. Sometimes we're in a situation where, you know, it starts, our anger starts to rise. But listen to what James says just a little bit later uh, in James chapter 1. I should say a little bit before in James chapter 1. It says, everyone should be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Advice about the tongue. It's sad but true, but some of us have anger as the most identifiable feature of our life. We're just known to be angry. I call it the emotional currency we've chosen to use. Anger is emotional currency when we use it because we know that it will work. It will get things done. When I blow up, when I flare up, people move. At the workplace, at home, anger becomes the currency I use to get things to go the way I want them to go. But the problem is when we do that, We leave others in the wreckage, especially the tender hearts of our children, bruised and broken, flying into rage, then getting things done, walking out, and everything is in pieces around us. Angry words hurt, and it's not just the words, it's also the tone of voice. It's the way that we say the words. This can hurt. Secondly, lying words hurt. Lying always first hurts the liar. We think we're getting our way. We we think we're escaping some punishment. We think we're getting around it. But we're always getting hurt when we lie. Listen to Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who deal truthfully are His delight. Lying hurts us first by putting a distance between ourselves and our God. We begin to back away. It hurts us. And it's all around us. USA Today recently reported on a result of the inspection of 7,000 resumes. Here's what they found. 71% lied on the number of year, about the number of years on the job. 40, uh, 64% lied about their accomplishments and the awards that they had received. 60% lied about the size of the organization they managed. Partial degrees were listed as full degrees 52% of the time. 48% of the resumes lied about their compensation history. And that's just a piece. All of this lying hurts. Not only does it hurt ourselves, distancing ourselves from God, but when that lie is discovered, and it will be discovered, when that lie is discovered, there's so much more pain than the truth would have caused. Lying hurts. It's a demonstration that we feel somehow that we're better than, we're more than the other person. They don't deserve the truth that I'm trying to hide. And thirdly, gossipy words hurt. It's easy to get drawn into gossip if we don't keep gossip as a sensitivity point in our radar screen because It's easy to get drawn into that and not understand it as a sin when sentences start with the words, did you hear the latest? Do you know what's happening over there? Have you heard what's going on here? 
And soon we hear the laundry list of other people's problems and other people's issues. And there's something in us that just loves to hear that. And only at the end do we say, well, we need to pray about that. Pray first. Pray only. Gossipy words hurt. You don't need to hear about the sins of others. It's like the two boys that were kneeling with their mom at the bedside. She was helping them with their bedtime prayers. And she said, boys, is there any sin that you want to ask for Jesus to forgive from today? And four-year-old Keith spoke up. I know a big sin that Kevin did. <laughs> Seven-year-old Kevin said, you take care of your sins, I'll take care of mine. And that's a good policy. Gossipy words hurt. Proverbs 18.8 in a New Living Translation says this, What dainty morsels rumors are, but they sink deep into one's heart. Remember this, the, the, the person that will gossip to you will gossip about you. It hurts. Profane words hurt. Cursing. Swearing. Dirty jokes and stories. All of this has no place coming out of the mouth of a Christian. It makes Jesus look bad. It makes Christ in you look coarse. And it doesn't do any good to use a bunch of foul language and then at the end say, oh, pardon my French. What are you saying about the French? <laughs> That's not French. And in this category, I put dirty humor that debases the teller, sexist comments, lustful kinds of remarks, what we have come to refer to in our politicians as locker room talk doesn't belong in the life of the believer. We need to exit ourselves out of that situation because filthy language hurts. It hurts your ability as a believer in Christ to use that same mouth to glorify God. But words can also help. Words can lift up. Words can inspire. Words can bless. Go back with me in chapter 18 to verse 20. It says, From the fruit of his mouth a man's stomach is filled. With the harvest of his lips he is satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. What does it mean, those who love it will eat its fruit? It means this. You will experience the results of the words that you use. As you speak words out, there are results that come back to you, that become part of you. They change you. Those hurtful words change you in a negative way. But the words of blessing and hope, the words of life, change you in a positive way, and they bless others. Here's an image. Have you ever been hit by a water balloon? What did you do the minute after you were hit by the water balloon. Probably it depends on the situation. If you were a part of a game that people were chasing one another with water balloons, when you got hit, you probably laughed and you ran after that person with your own water balloon seeking to get revenge. But if you were not expecting it, if it was all of a sudden, out of the blue, somebody, bam, hits you with a water balloon, you are mad and you feel foolish Words are like that water balloon. They can do either good or bad things, depending on how they're being used and the way that they're used and the situation. So how do we make our words become a force for good? 
How do we actually use our speech wisely? A few hints. Number one, pause and think before you speak. We should discipline ourselves when we speak to ask ourselves prior a couple of questions. Question is, is this going to be gracious? Is this going to be helpful? Am I building up or am I tearing down? I was actually thinking about this very lesson when somebody posted on my social media a a little saying that said this, think before you speak, and then they used the words of the letter think to ask, is it true, is it helpful, is it inspiring, is it necessary, is it kind? Might be one of you who posted that on my, my thing, thank you very much. That's a good insight. Ask those questions. Am I building up or am I tearing down? And while you pause before you speak, think this thought. I don't have to say everything I'm thinking. Wow, that's an important insight. Proverbs from King James 29.11 says this, A fool uttereth all his mind. That's my new favorite verse right there. (laughs) Don't uttereth all your mind. A lot of times we just don't think before we speak and words come out like turning on a faucet and we don't notice till a little bit in that we're actually doing some damage. Pause. Hit the pause button. It's better actually to say, let me think about that, than to harm someone with impulsive speech. Here's something else. To have helpful speech, talk less. Speak less. There's a Quaker saying. It goes like this. Never break the silence unless you can improve on it. (laughs) Okay. Am I improving on the silence when I speak? Abe Lincoln famously said this, Better to be silent and to be thought a fool than to speak and remove all doubt. (laughs) Talk less. Here are some prime times when you should talk less. When you're tempted to begin a sentence with, I told you so, talk less. When you, when you are going to say something that will belittle somebody else, talk less. When your impulse is to correct someone who's telling a story and correct them about all the minor points, right? Have you been there trying to tell a story? Well, we were over in San Francisco. No, it's actually Oakland. Okay. Well, it was a sunny... No, it was rainy. Well, I was driving up the road turning right and you were turning left. Please, can I just tell the story already? Talk less. Speak less when your impulse is to give your opinion and advice when your opinion and your advice has not been asked for. Talk less when you want to speak simply to impress other people. We can use our speech better if it's rare. Number three, listen more. Listen to understand, not to just formulate an answer. Aren't you glad that in real life people don't have thought bubbles over their minds like in the comics? What if all of your thoughts right now were displayed in a thought bubble? I would be so discouraged. (laughs) All right? I know we we have to listen to understand because a lot of the, in the conversations when we're speaking, if we had a thought bubble, it would be, I hope, I wish this guy would be quiet so that I could say something. That would be the thought displayed. Proverbs 18, 13, he who answers before listening, that is his folly and his shame. You should listen more. Here's a saying, a wise old owl lived in an oak. The more he heard, the less he spoke. 
The less he spoke, the more he heard. Why can't we all be like that bird? <laughs> to use your speech as a, in a wise way, encourage more. Encouragement is a powerful force. People around us need encouragement. People sitting around you right now need encouragement. The news is depressing and life is hard. In this family called the Fellowship of the Saints, we should be those who encourage. We should speak that positive word. We should notice that hurting spirit. We need to be the ones who say the word, who, who make the call, who write the notes, who show up simply to lift others up. You can speak blessing into someone's life, and it may make all the difference. Dr. Larry Crabb is a Christian author and a psychologist. He does a lot of writing, and as a result of that, a, a fair amount of public speaking. One of his books is Encouragement, The Key to Caring. That's the title, The Key to Caring. And he tells in that book about a time as a young man he received encouragement, and he needed it desperately. He grew up in a church, in a church uh, family, and, and for whatever reason, this particular Sunday, without any warning, he was asked to come up to, front, to the front and pray for the, for the congregation, to pray over the congregation. Now, he wasn't ready for that. He wasn't used to that. But, of course, he knew it was the Christian thing to do, to say, yes, okay, I'll come up and pray. And he got up there. He said, I was so nervous just in the public nature of that speaking. I was so, I just, I couldn't even formulate a thought. And, but he spoke anyway. He was praying out loud. He said, it made no sense. The sentences didn't even go together. And I was so aware of the people kind of listening to me, and I was embarrassed, and I was just shamed, and my, I was sweating, and I was shaking. And he said, I, finally, I said amen to whatever I was saying. I walked off the stage, and I was determined to leave that place and never come back when a man named Jim Dunbar kind of got in his way, put a hand over his shoulder, and he said this, Larry, I want you to know, whatever you do for the Lord, I'm a thousand percent behind you. That's what he said. Now, I'm going to read you the next paragraph in the book. He writes, even as I write these words, tears come to my eyes. I have yet to tell that story to an audience without at least mildly choking up because those words were life words to me. They had power. They reached deep into my being. And it's those, that phrase, life words. We need to be those who speak life words into somebody else's life. Words of blessing. Words of encouragement. You never know how you're going to be lifting somebody up. It's vital that we do that. I wonder if we had at the end of the day a dollar for every word of encouragement that we gave that day, but we had to give back 50 cents for every criticism, I wonder if we would be making money at the end of the day. Work so that that would be true. You'd be making money. Speak words of encouragement. Fifthly, speak gently. Tone of voice matters. We said that before. Proverbs 15.1, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. For some of us, that verse needs to be in the front of our mind in discussions, in decision-making, in times together with the family. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Tone of voice. Six, speak the truth. A follower of Jesus must be known as a person from whom you will always get a straight answer. Speak gently, but speak honestly. Speak the truth. And seventh, 
don't brag. Seven points of using a speak with wisdom. Seventh one is don't brag. One man has said this, praise is a beautiful garment and it's, life, and it's nice to wear, but someone else has to put it on you. These seven points of wisdom with our words, what will they cause in terms of action steps this next week? There's a few recommendations. Number one, if you have wronged somebody with your words, make it right with them this week. If someone comes to mind just now as I mentioned that, that's somebody the Lord wants you to ask for forgiveness. That's somebody the Lord wants you to be humble before and say, you know, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't have said that. And I'm sorry. Or maybe it is you granting forgiveness to somebody else, letting them off the hook for something they said, maybe some time ago that has been festering within. No, no. make it right from both sides. Secondly, yield your tongue to God. Romans 6.13 says, Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. And that includes your tongue, the words you say. And it also includes your social media, the things that you publish. These things should be yielded to God. Thirdly, in order to make our speech more wise, we must take in the Word of God. Replace your natural words with the supernatural words of the Bible. Let the words of the Bible recalibrate the way that you talk, and you'll be able to represent well the wisdom of God. You'll be using words wisely. All of this is part of living that practical life of wisdom that God has called us to. See, the Lord is the Lord of all, the Lord of our words as well. Let's pray together. Lord, we want to ask forgiveness for the times that we spoke out of turn just this past week or maybe this morning. We want to ask forgiveness for the ways that we feel somehow that we can say things that are inappropriate and other people just have to get over it. Lord, help us not to be that way. Help us to recognize that when we speak in inappropriate ways, you are the audience. So, Lord, help us to be wise. In this week ahead, we pray that the words that we say will indeed reflect well on you. We will have that opportunity. Help us to see it and take it. In your name we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to pray our benediction and go our separate ways. But first, let's stand together. And as we stand, let's sing a song. The song is the chorus about the lordship of God over all that we are and all that we have. It's He is Lord. You remember that chorus? Let's sing it. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. One more time together. He is Lord. He is Lord. He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. 
Every knee shall bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Maybe you're here and you have a prayer concern in your life. There's something you're going through or a decision you're making. Maybe it is to meet the one who is Lord of all as your Savior and Lord. We have prayer counselors next to the organ by the table. They will wait for you. You slip forward and pray with them. But first, let's all pray together. Heavenly Father, dismiss us with your blessing. Watch over us in your care. In the week ahead, we, we wish to live lives that do reflect your wisdom. So show us those opportunities. And Lord, we pray that you would be well represented by your people here. Dismiss us and keep us protected by your grace and mercy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. Thanks for coming.